Bonjour et bienvenue to a Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon, as we say in English. And of course, uh, joining me on the phone for the first time in a few months is uh, the one, uh, the only, the affable uh, Sir Alan Niven. Bonjour, Monsieur Niven. How goes? Uh, all things considered, it goes well. I cannot complain. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I have a nice place to live. So I cannot complain about being imprisoned. I'm amused by people who complain that it's hard to be shut up in a in a Bel Air or Hollywood or Malibu mansion. And I have two beautiful cats that keep me company. So I'm good. Yeah, you know, and and even I'm even though I'm not in a Bel Air mansion out out here in the uh, suburbs of uh, Montreal. Listen, the weather is nice. We thank God for 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 Netflix and and. Uh, CBS All Access. I've been streaming Blue Bloods. I mean, you know, you know. Listen, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. But uh, let us get over to our guest. It is a George Thorogood, and well, he's also having to do the home thing. He was supposed to be in May touring Canada. Obviously, not happening. Uh, one of the things that George has been uh, known for over the years was doing a fifty show in fifty state run but also opening up for the Rolling Stones, much like your beloved Guns N' Roses once did. Uh, any, any great Rolling Stone GNR stories? Well, the, I'm, I'm sure most people know the classic. Um, in a nutshell, uh, Guns N' Roses were offered the entire Steel Wheels tour, um, but for reasons that you can research, um, I felt that that would be a disaster and passed and uh, we did end up getting an offer from Mr. Jagger or Sir Mick to open in LA at two shows at the Coliseum um, and we ended up doing selling four shows at the Coliseum and doing that and getting paid a very handsome salary um, but the best part of it all was how Axel arrived for the first show because he locked himself in his apartment and wouldn't come out. And we were half an hour from stage time and he still hadn't shown up at the gig. So uh, I talked to Michael Ahern, the production manager for the Rolling Stones, who's a really cool and level-headed guy, as you'd expect around that class of band, and uh, said, do you have a friend at the LAPD who will do something without asking questions? He said, yes, and I don't know what, what you want to ask him, so I'm going to leave the room. And this guy came in, and I gave him specific instructions. I told him where Axel lived, gave him the address, and I said, you send two uniforms right there in a black and white right now, and if they have to kick the door down and put them in handcuffs, that's what they do. And they put them in the back of the black and white, and they bring him right here as fast as possible right now. And that's how Axel arrived to do the first show opening for the Rolling Stones in the back of a police car under the threat of handcuffs if terrible, you resist How dare you break his quarantine? <laughs> Axel has always, always been a visionary. He was self-isolating 30 years or whatever, 35 years before the time. <laughs> he was in quarantine. Uh, he was just watching out for everybody's safety how how dare you break that moment of zen peace zen I have, peace. 
I have to bend a knee and say that Mr. Rose was utterly prescient in knowing that we'd all have to self-quarantine. See, that's that is why he is one of Rock's greatest vocalists because he is creative and visionary, and I will uh, maintain that throughout. Uh, quickly on George, incredible guitarist, great, uh, great feel on the guitar. How do you sort of uh, take it? Because you know, we when we look at guitarists, we always look at the flashy ones, the Eddie Van Halens, the George Lynches, the you know, the people that have all this fire and brimstone going on around them as they play. But George is meat and potatoes, but effective. How do you sort of qualify or quantify George's playing? George to me was, uh, and the very first time I heard George, my instant reaction was to turn him up. Um, I loved his feel. He, he personalized uh, the Chuck Berry within him um, sufficiently to make him more than just, you know, somebody else doing another Chuck Berry riff. I loved his feel. I loved his energy. And that's George. I mean, you know, he plays those riffs and he plays softball and he knows who he is and he's utterly authentic in that. Absolutely. So let, let's get over to the uh, absolutely authentic George Thurgood. Uh, well, folks, here he is. The one, the only, le seul et unique, uh, and a Mets fan, by the way. I know, don't ask. Here is George. That'd be perfect. I know, I know, I know, I'm telling you. But I, I, being an Expos fan, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't cheer for anything anyway. Uh, because the next thing you tell me, you're into Kiss. Hey, now, we love the Kiss people. Though they are fantastic. Uh, but uh, here is somebody who probably uh, loves Kiss as well. The one, the only, George Thorogood. We are speaking with a legendary Musician George Thurgood, he was actually supposed to be in Montreal in the last couple of days, but it has been postponed. George, a pleasure to have you on the phone, if not in our venues, but pleasure to have you. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. How's that? That's uh, that's not bad. It's a good way to start, actually. So, yes, yes. So, talk to me about about this touring situation because everything is shut down, and and some folks are saying, well, let's keep it to twenty twenty one. And then you look at Arkansas and Missouri, and they're like, hey, we're open, let's go. Um, how do you sort of see the situation moving forward with the industry, but also with yourself and your shows? Well, our our situation is probably not unlike other rock acts that, uh, you know, they they, uh, rely on their income mostly, um, from touring. Um, so it's a matter of concern, but the main, main concern is getting people healthy again. That's, uh, anyway, from our end of it, it's the destroyer's end of it. Um, that's our main concern is get everybody, uh, everybody up and running and healthy and then, and then take it from there. Um, but well, you know, it's all it means to me too. Another thing is this Mitch is, we got to postpone our Canadian show. That means if everything gets lifted, I get to go to Canada next year. I'm just putting off something I love to do anyway. So it doesn't, um, it, what, what it'll do, Mitch, if you think about it in this way, if you want to look on a positive end of it from an artist's point of view, it will extend everybody's career by a year, a year and a half. Yeah, I'm wondering what we're going to do with all the people who have farewell tours. Does does Elton John and does Kiss, do they, do they just extend it for an extra bonus year, but? Do you take a, a you'll, moment? You'll, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. You'll have to ask them. What were yeah. you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, do you take a, a, a pensive moment and say to yourself, listen, I've been doing this for over 40 years, maybe even close to 50 years. 
Maybe I just don't bother. Maybe I just sort of hang it up and, and just say, eh, it's been good. Yeah, every day, Mitch. But but do you do you see that more now? I mean, are you no, actually? You know, no. I, I, how many times have the Rolling Stones said this will be the last tour? And then somebody comes around and says, well, here's $200 million to go back on the road. Nobody's going to turn down that kind of money, Mitch. Um, so, yeah, everybody, every working stiff thinks that, especially when they get, you know, into the senior citizen age, they start thinking in those terms, but then there's things that come up. There's still a demand for what you do and there's still a desire. And the main thing is, can we deliver? So as long as those three things are in order, um, we'll be, we're going to stay in business, but yet everybody thinks about that every day or so goes by and you say, well, maybe I should not be doing this anymore. Uh, but then I, I look around, I see our artists who are older than me and been at it longer than me and they're still going. So I go, well, gee, they're older than I am, and they're still out there kicking around. So um, I kind of use that as a barometer, looking at the at the other acts and see, seeing what's going on there. Um, as far as thinking that, um, who knows what, what, what the future is? I don't know how long. I don't have any problem with Canada, that's for sure. We, we always get the red carpet treatment there. Um, how long we'll be invited back to your country. Um, as long as we invite us back, we'll come back. So I don't think uh, looking on the horizon a retirement plan. But again, first of all, first things first, let's get everybody healthy. Yeah, that's that's the most important one. And I, and I have to say this about you delivering on your shows. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was with Troy Lucetta, the drummer for this band, Tesla. And you were in Montreal. And I brought him to the show and he said, all right, Mitch, I don't really want to go. But we'll, we'll see one or two songs and then we'll, we'll, we'll head out. And he got to the show and we saw one or two songs. And then I said, all right, let's go. He goes, no, 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 no. This, that was too good. I, and he stayed the whole way. And then after the show, he says, I have to meet George. I have to give him a hug. That was that was a religious experience. So so you're still delivering at a high, high level. And I, I, I would imagine you remember that. Hallelujah, praise Jesus, and pass the collection plate. Keep it going. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, 2017, you released Party of One, which uh, was your first solo album. And it was really solo, solo, solo. I mean, it was you and a guitar, and it was brilliant. It was just a brilliant piece of uh, art. I'm going to call it art because that's what it was. In this sort of lockdown situation that we're in, are you plunking away at, 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 at a new solo album? Do, do you want to do Party of One, Volume 2? Do, do you see yourself working now, or are you just sort of sitting at home waiting for this to end? I'm trying to keep my uh, options open on, on all avenues. Uh, like any other live performer, like of a, uh, an actor saying, oh, I still want to keep my... my Broadway chops up in case I get an offer to do that. And I want to keep my movie chops up in case I get asked to do that. Um, so I, I kind of bounce around and in between. And now as far as another solo album goes, who knows? I mean, if I get an offer, I think I got strong enough material. I'll give it a, 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 a I'll give some serious thought really on the top of my head. And it's been on my head since I was 17 is getting out there with a, with a, with a groovy rock band and, uh, really having a blast. And, and, um, you know, to reach the level of religious experience, well, that's the ultimate, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it really is. Um, we're, we are talking a lot about touring these days. In 1981, you did that uh, 50 and 50, which the Associated Press, and I'm going to quote from the article, called it a lunatic endeavor. Um, is that something that a new rock band could try? Or do you think that now with uh, the post-COVID era, Something like that, a lunatic endeavor of that of that nature is 
is for the history books? No, I think probably the person who wrote it's a lunatic. Yeah. By the way, what a great. Well, uh, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it this way. What do I do for a living, Mitch? I play in a rock band, a reasonably successful one, a reasonably good one. Now, if you can't get up every day and go to work 50 days and play in a rock band, I'm not talking about 250 days or 1,000, uh, 50 days in the course of a lifetime. I mean, come on. It's, uh, you know, Lou Gehrig played in 2,130 games in a row. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, uh, it, it always amazes me. Sure, a band could do that now. Um, we'll have to do it all over again once, if we may ever make Canada the 51st state. Which I don't think is going to happen. I think <laughs> no. why can't we do the? Why don't we do the Canadian thing and say uh, you would? How do we have eleven provinces there? How many have eleven? Yeah, ten or eleven? So yeah. Like, you see, as you get older, fifty states in fifty days is tough, but ten provinces in ten days—that ain't so bad. I think you can handle that. Well, well, you know, we do it every time anyway. I mean, <laughs> we hit all the provinces anyway when we go up there. Uh, as far as a band doing that today, sure they could do it. Anybody could do it. We're just. Uh, the first ones who thought about doing it. And B.B. King once worked something like 341 night stands in 1956 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's doable. Um, you know, when, why we did it is, uh, maybe that's a, the idea of it is lunatic, but you know, lots of it was, a, was a lot of fun, you know, as people coming out, we'd play a place for 200 people one night and then next night we'd play for 2000 people. So it was uh, a variation each night. So, um, you know, but you got to be a lunatic to get in this business anyway, Mitch. How about that? <laughs> well, you sort of do. Uh, but what did you learn from that experience? Because that really was a feat. I mean, uh, you know, we always talk about Guinness Book of World Records and stuff like that. But that was a feat. As an artist, what did you learn from that experience? Well, we started turning it around and halfway through it and started traveling at night, which we never did. And we learned it. Traveling at night for this band works out a lot better than traveling in the day. So uh, we learned that, you know. Also, we learned we could do it, but, um, you know, it didn't. nobody said how long we have to play each night, although we did do a full program. But what we really learned was, hey, let's, uh, from now on, let's travel at night, which was about halfway through the tour we realized that was the way to go. Well, hey, that's a, that's a good plan, especially in this day and age with all the uh, construction that's always on every uh, road and every province every state um recently with uh, sammy haker james hetfield ario speedwagon and more you uh, paid tribute to eddie money and the the show aired on access tv um talk to me a little bit about your relationship with eddie money because uh, you know i had a chance to meet him once or twice and he was just such a real down-to-earth um i'll say dude for the lack of a better word but he was just a great dude um what was that like for you to meet him and not meet him, but be friends with him, but also pay tribute to him? Well, I, I, we were friendly. I'd like to say we were friends. We didn't get a chance to associate each other with that much. I did his radio show. Um, he came to one of our gigs. We did a festival together in, uh, I think it was in Tennessee. We did a festival and you hit the right, uh, description of Eddie, um, down to earth, um, was, was his way. And he was always pleasant to me. And, um, yeah, we, we we had talked on more than one occasion of getting a tour together and call it, you know, Thoroughgood and Money or Money and Thoroughgood, put your money on Thoroughgood, you know, best ticket money can buy, something like that. 
And we were both hot for it, but unfortunately, it never it never came about. Oh, that's a, that is unfortunate. Um, the the baseball season is delayed. We in every interview talk about the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. Uh, I guess the silver lining in this COVID thing is that you don't actually get to watch the Mets lose this year. But where do you think uh, we're going to go with professional sports? Should we start them up again? Should we have audiences in stadiums, or should we just? Call it a day and say, "Listen, no baseball this year, no football this year. Let's let's aim for next year." Well, maybe they can compromise and put sporting events on on the TV, and that way people can stay home and still um, watch the game. A lot of people, I don't go to the ballpark myself. I always watch the game on television anyway. Um, so maybe that's a way to to the ground. Uh, the other day, I was turned on the television. It was a boxing match in in Minnesota which they limited how many people could be there. But it was telecast uh, live, I guess, all over the country, our country anyway. Um, so maybe that's a way to get around it. Um, you know, you can always sit in your easy chair and watch the basketball game or the baseball game, football, whatever. Um, they may have to do that. That might be the way to keep, keep, the, keep, the, sporting, um, you know, keep the sporting spirit alive. I don't know. I'm not, that's not my field, but something tells me they might come around and do that eventually if this thing doesn't, you know, come to an end soon. Hopefully, hopefully it will. Uh, I will ask you this. The, uh, the George Thorogood Epiphone White Fang. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful instrument. You came to, um, boy, Southern Ontario a couple of years ago, and I had, to actually, I had a chance to be backstage with Adam and actually look at one up front. It, it is just a, it is a beautiful beast. Um, talk to me about your, your, your choice of guitars and signature guitars and how involved are you in the making of it, the designing of it, the final product? Do you just sort of stamp your name on it and go, all right, what, do whatever? Or do you sit there and go, no, 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 no. no. Okay. No, no. It's not that simple, Mitch. Okay. Um, my, my, every guitarist or everybody pretty much when they play an instrument, especially guitars, uh, they, their hands have been accustomed to doing a certain thing on a certain instrument now they stopped making the instrument i play around 1970 and the ones i bought i just wore them all out they were just they were just beat up so bad we we were spending fortunes to repair them finally they said well george we don't have any guitars left you know whether we can't find any more these are all beat up i said well i guess it's time for me to retire and he went oh no 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 wait 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 adam said wait <laughs> wait wait i got you know, I got Epiphone on the phone. Let's see if we can get around that. So I said, I'm telling you, I can't play anything with a 125. And they said, well, we'll make it, we'll pattern it as close to the 125 as we can get. So our guitar tech and our um, sound engineer, our sound technician, worked very hard at getting the Epiphone to play. My hands could play like I was playing the other instrument. But sound-wise, it's just, it's far and away a superior instrument than the one I was using before. Oh yeah, and it's it's just gorgeous to look at. Uh, well, of course, everybody else's guitar, everybody else's guitar looks like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. My guitar is beautiful. <laughs> My guitar looks like a musical instrument. It is. You know what I'm saying? And, and it sounds yeah. it sounds great. Exactly. Um, twenty twenty one South Michigan Avenue was the last album in twenty eleven. Uh, nine years ago now, not including the solo album. How important is it for you to have? Uh, new music. Can, can you just put George Thurgood and the Destroyers on the marquee and go play Bad to the Bone and say thank you very much? Or do you have a need to be creative and say, no, 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 that's a great song, but I, I got to give you something new. Otherwise, this gets this gets boring for me. I got I to stay active. 
Only only boring people get bored, Mitch. The day I become bored of playing bad of the bone for you know thousands of people who have paid top dollar to hear it, who love that song, well, then there's something wrong with me. I mean, that's very exciting. Go ask Keith Richards if he wants to stop playing Jumpin' Jack Flash. Never. Um, you know, because you make those songs for uh, for the people, for the audience. I mean, the, the, it's like a restaurant that makes a menu, and you say, here's what's on the menu. What do you like? And they go, well, I'll have the bed of the bone. That's the, that's the house specialty or whatever. Um, as far as making new music and records, I, I was looking at it this way, and I don't want to – I don't refer to it as like, um, let's see, a, like a uh, an alcohol reference. But for lack of other references, I'll put it this way. If you have a really good shot of scotch or something like that in a glass, real expensive, real delicious, and it's perfect as it is, and then you pour a little water in it, then what do you got? Okay. And you put a little more water in it, what do you got? Then a little more water. Then, then it's a watered-down drink and you can't taste it. Well, I don't want that to happen with our catalog. I don't want to just keep putting out stuff for the sake of doing it and diminishing the power of what we've already done. Um, did you think, did you think the Rolling Stones really need another album, Mitch? Come on. No, do they? No, they don't. All right. Does, the, does Dylan? No, he doesn't. Neither does Kiss, so, neither does Aerosmith, neither do... Exactly. I mean, that's what you live for. I, I, my, my pal, John Fogarty, he's always in the studio. I'm writing a new song. I'm writing a new song. I'm going, why? <laughs> you got the greatest catalog in the world, John. Well, we need to write new songs for, and we, you know, the ones you have are just incredibly brilliant. So there's a time when you get to a spot and you say, okay, I've done this. Now it's oldies, but goodies time. But in this day and age, they don't call them oldies. They call it rock classic. I, I prefer that. Right. Yeah. The, you're, the, you're the classics. Uh, speaking of catalog, will there be anything done with the catalog in terms of, you know, a compilation or a box set or unearthing some demos or live show do, do you see some kind of package coming forth in the next few years for for the fans that have been there since 1977 sure we're always working on that uh, you know an interesting twist of of um you know you know an alternative version of something or live stuff or uh, you know a, a live album um uh, for a live we're a live group um you know people like that sort of thing um yeah of course and if sidestepping the idea of writing or creating new material Putting out, a, um, like you said, the, the, the word you use to put out a, um, something latest, you got, you got to keep your profile up. I'm, I watch I watched Eric Clapton a lot, and he was his, his catalog had done what it did, and then he, he did a, um, a solo album, Back to the Cradle. Um, he did an album with B.B. King, Riding with the King. He did a ball blues album like we did 2120. Uh, and then he did Me and Mr. Johnson. Yeah. There wasn't a new song on it like Sunshine of Your Love, but he did projects about every two years at keeping the Eric Clapton legacy alive. And uh, I kind of took a little page from that and said, hmm, that's interesting. That's that's a good way to go. Um, it, and, and it seems to have worked out for him. <laughs> oh, it worked out great. And listen, uh, for me, uh, buying the, the live album in 1986, that was the one that turned it around for me because my friend was a, a, a George fan and he had the studio albums and I was like, hmm, okay, let, let's go. Then I heard the live one and I went, ah, now I get it. Now I understand mm -hmm. this artist. And that was just a brilliant piece of work, that that 86 album. Um, since we are talking about uh, Canada and, and, and sort of the shows you've missed here in May, uh, just quickly reminisce about the importance. I know Montreal in particular was important. You, you've told me in the past that 
you'd show up at a club and there'd be hundreds of people outside and you'd go, oh, we must be at the wrong address. And But no, they were there for you. Um, how important is not only Montreal, but just sort of Canada in your career and making you who you are? Very important. Um, it's our, I won't, I'm, dare I say it, it's our home away from home. It's, it's our neighbor. It's like a really wonderful neighbor that keeps, um, keeps the red carpet going and, and the front door open to us at all times. If we were going to wear out our welcome in Canada, we would have done it by now. Uh, so one of our projects is to record in Canada. Um, there's some talk of doing it at the Elma Combo in Toronto, um, which I've been into, um, have a, have a North American statement. I said, you know, we've, um, done this. I said, let's, 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 let's do something really special in Canada. Um, at some time, which we were supposed to do on this last run, but it's been postponed till next year. Uh, whether that project is still going to be, um, you know, on the table, uh, I don't know, but I sure hope it is because, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 dare I say, it's one of our strongest markets. So I don't want to ignore it. I want to do something um, live there. Uh, I mean, the Stones did a live record there. Why can't we? Yeah, yeah, why not? And I mean, you, of course, opened for the Stones years ago. So it, it would be a perfect, you know, full circle on that. Uh, I know we only had 20 minutes. We've reached that. But George, just always, always a pleasure. You are one of my favorite interviews. You, you just are a true, genuine article, and uh, thank you for that. Well, thank you, Mitch. Uh, rock and roll never sleeps. It just passes out. That's right. Merci, monsieur. À la prochaine. See you next time. Um, I, I'll be looking forward to that, Mitch. Absolutely. And and please, Stay come. healthy. Oh, doing my Stay best. Healthy. I am locked in this studio, not doing anything else but interviews. So, uh, Okay. I, I might need some sun. <laughs> thank you, sir. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here's Paul Stanley to tell you why he doesn't want to shake your hand. Some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia. Ugh, not even cold gin will kill those germs. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon.